evening. There's nowhere that I would rather be than to be here with you celebrating Christmas together. It is wonderful to have family and friends to spend Christmas together and share the Word of God with together. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. In spirit of that, let us rise and read the Word of God together. Our Christmas passage comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. All right, let's, let's read slow. Here we go. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherd returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it has been told by them. Amen. Please be seated. So this is the Christmas passage. And I think for those of you who are at, the, uh, at our Sunday um, KM, EM worship service, this is the passage that we study together, and I'm going to expand on it. Speaking of the Sunday joint service, that was the craziest Christmas pageant I've ever seen. The little kids did a Christmas pageant. It was so bizarre. There were like wood choppers and people stranded in islands and like Jesus with a perm, like, like crucified, and it was crazy, right? So, so, yeah, you missed a great show. Anyway, so um, this is the passage we studied on Sunday morning, and I'll expand on it, because let's face it, I only got 10 minutes to preach on it, and I need more than 10 minutes to preach on a passage. The reason I chose this passage, and um, this passage, I think, clearly lays out why Jesus came. So in Christmas, we're celebrating braiding the coming of the Lord, the incarnation of God. And this passage tells us why Christ came. And what this passage is clear is Christ came on earth to, sh to show glory of God to this earth. Christ came on earth 2,000 years ago to show, to, to bring, to show glory of God to those who are, who are unable to see God's glory. And what the glory of God means will expand as we go along. So the greatest act, the, the Christmas is the greatest act of God's mercy upon humanity because his great act of mercy in humanity is to show his glory to, the, to, to us. What is the definition of word mercy? The definition of word mercy is showing love and grace to those who don't deserve it. Right? That's the word mercy. Showing love and kindness and grace 
to those who don't deserve it. That's what mercy is. And when I think about this word, I think about one person in our congregation. I'm not going to tell you her name to protect the innocent. But she wants to devote her life rescuing cats and dogs who are discarded and rescuing like children who are discarded by their parents. So her great vision for her life is she really wants to be a foster parent. She's only in her like, late 20s. I'm narrowing the field of who you, who you think it is. She's early in her late 20s, but her specific vision is to be a foster parent, to love those whom, whom, whom their parents have discarded. And when I heard her say that, I, like, I teared up, because that's the act of mercy. Right? We're used to you know, Asian parents spoiling their kids, guilty as charged, right? buying their kids like expensive gifts and stuff. But you don't see that many people who want to show kindness to children who have been abandoned. But this person wants to devote her life to it. Mercy. That's the act of mercy, right? Showing love and kindness to those who never asked for it nor who deserve it. And it's the act of mercy, right, is a very common theme especially if you're a fan of like, Korean, Korean TV shows, of which I am one. So because I have a weird sleeping schedule, I don't know, I go to sleep sometimes at 4 in the morning, 5 in the morning, we'll go back and forth. And because I'm awake at odd hours, my Netflix viewing habit is also kind of weird. So the other day, I was streaming a Korean drama called Cinderella and the Four Princes or something. You know that drama? Long time ago? Uh, you don't, don't, so you know what the, you know what the drama is. Don't do. So it was literally about like this poor girl, like being adopted into a family of, of a rich family, right? That's a very common theme in Korea. Like this poor girl being adopted by a prince or this rich family and being showered with all this gift. This poor girl didn't do anything to deserve all the wealth that came her way, right? It was just given to her. That's the act of mercy. Being giving, getting things that you never asked for, nor you deserve. What God has come to do is to show his glory to us. His glory is the richest, most fantastic gift that he can bestow upon anyone. The greatest gift that God can give you and me is the revelation of his glory. Then what is the glory of God? The glory of God is a glimpse of who he is. The glory of God is a glimpse of his beauty. It's a glimpse of his like, love. It's a glimpse of his righteousness and holiness and justice and wisdom. The glory of God is a revelation of who he is. And when you understand, when you begin to see who he is clearly... There is nothing like it in the world. There really isn't. Because who he is so magnificent, beautiful, so breathtakingly deep and, 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 and so huge and great, when you get a glimpse of him, nothing else compares to that. That's what he came to give us. How do you know what, how valuable this glory is? Paul in Philippians says, in chapter 4, I think he says, you know, Paul says, I've achieved a lot in my life, Paul says. 
right? I was a who's who of scholars, right? I was a holy man. People respected me. I had an influence and power in my society. But when I met Jesus, compared to knowing who Jesus is, I considered everything that I gained or achieved in this world as manure. Dung, he says, compared to knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. He's saying the glory of God in Jesus Christ is so amazing. Everything that he has, is, it's, 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 it's nothing in comparison to that. Because God is so breathtakingly awesome. Francis Chan, right, the great modern speaker, he says in 2020, he's leaving America. Leaving America, going, going to Asia, right, and he's going to go to a remote place in Asia, start a church, baptize people. That's what he said he's going to do. And the reason why Francis Chan is going to Asia in 2020, he's leaving America, is because he just wants to follow Christ. He says, Christ is just amazing. I just want to go where he is. And, and, and America, it's all right. Right? Disney World is all right. America is all right. But following Christ where he wants to go, that is, the mo- that is the place where he wants to be because it is in Christ amazing life follows. Do you understand? Glory of God. When you get a taste of him, when you see him, when you behold him, oh, your life will change. Remember? The cost of discipleship that I quoted a couple of weeks ago, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, following Christ is costly grace. It is costly because it will cost the person his or her own life to follow Christ. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you have to carry your cross. You've got to deny yourself to follow me. The, 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 the being a disciple, the following of Jesus, follower of Jesus Christ is a costly thing because you don't get to carry whatever you want to carry. You don't get to believe in whatever you want to believe. You don't get to do whatever you want to do. There is a denial. There's a self-dying to being a disciple of Christ. To being a disciple of Christ, you cannot do whatever you want to do and be his disciple. But Bonhoeffer says it is costly, but it is grace because you get to follow Jesus Christ. And when you follow Jesus Christ, because who he is is so amazing and and so expansive and deep and full, when you follow him, you don't notice the things that you're denying, you're giving up, right? When you follow him, when when his glory becomes so clear to you, when he becomes so, so, so real in your life, you forget, you forget, the thing that you're denying. I've met many people who overcome certain sins in their lives, be it, I don't know, like pornography or like addiction or whatever, and what all those people who successfully overcame their sin, what they have in common is this. They overcame their sin not because they're disciplined people. They overcame sin because Christ became more glorious. When Christ becomes more glorious, these things that seem to trap them no longer becomes important. Get a glimpse of the glory of Christ. Oh, and everything else will fall into place. What breaks my heart more than anything else about modern Christianity is this. Pastors and preachers focuses on so many things. Some preachers focus on, like, the, the, like you know, the, the way you ought to live. They focus their, you know, their ministry on that. 
Other pastors focus on, I don't know, social justice. Other pastors focus on trying to make Christianity, message of Christianity relevant to the world. They focus on all the other things. But I do not see that many preachers who are focused on the glory of God. Just communicating to the people the glory of God, the magnificence of God. Because what, what we Christians need more than anything else is to be persuaded over and over again of the magnificence of God. Christ came to show us that magnificence of God. I know in our minds, right, we think Christ came to die for our sins, right? And because we, if we believe in him, we go to heaven. That's true, he did come to die for our sins, but the reason he came to die for our sins, it is so that we can see the glory of God. So that we can experience the magnificence of God. So we can hear his voice in our lives. So that we can see his miracles happening in our lives. That's why he came. He showed this mercy to a group of shepherds tending their sheep in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Who were the first group of people who received this glorious, you know, glorious presence of God? It were the shepherds. They were like, you know, they were farmers. They were like, you know, they weren't important people. These were some dudes out in the field of Bethlehem tending their flock. But all of a sudden, they didn't want it. They didn't pray for it. They weren't expecting it. But the angels came and they shone the glory of God to these shepherds. They didn't want it. They weren't asked for it. But the glory of God was shown before them. Fantastic. They weren't like my daughter who asked for me the same things over and over and over again. Can you give me this? Can you give me this? They didn't ask for that. They didn't know that that the glory of God existed. But God showed it to them, to the angels. Interesting. This was what the Sunday sermon was about last Sunday. What, were, what was the response of the angels? I'm sorry, what was the response of the shepherds when they saw the glory of God? You know, like, you know, when people say when, they, when you die, they see the light, right? And they want to go towards the light. Is that the response the shepherds had when they saw the bright light of God? Did they go, oh, I want to go to that light? No, 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 no. That's not what happened to them, right? When the glory of God, when the presence of God was amongst them, their response was they were afraid. When God's presence was boom before them, they were afraid. Why were they afraid? Because when the glory of God is before you, when his light shines brightly in your eyes, what we are on the inside gets plainly exposed. All of us are very good at keeping our sins secret, right? You know, I'm, I'm one thing in, in, the, in, the, in, the, you know, in the podium, right? In the, in, what, what, do you, what do you call this? I don't know. Pulpit. I'm one thing in the pulpit. But, but I'm another thing. I try not to be, but I think I'm another thing out in, in the basement sometimes, watching Korean Netflix. We are, we are experts on keeping sins on the inside. But when the glory of God is revealed, nothing is hidden. The prejudices, the lust, the hatred, the judgments, the shallowness of it all, 
it becomes fully exposed like the light of day. And when it does, you cannot help but to be ashamed and be fearful in the presence of God. And you can see that everywhere in Scripture. When, when Peter first met Jesus, Peter said to Jesus, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. When Peter realized who Jesus was, he didn't think Jesus loved him. He said he wanted to be far away from Jesus because Jesus has a tendency to reveal things. When Isaiah was, in the, was, 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 was off the earth to heaven and when Isaiah was in the throne room of God, his first, the, his first confession was, Woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. When Job was suffering and when he was questioning, Why, God, you're doing this to me? You know what? When God showed up and answered him, Job shut his mouth and said, I know nothing. You know everything. When God appears to you, you don't want to go towards his light. You want to go opposite of his light. The glory of God brings fear in the unbelieving heart. It's true. And the shepherd clearly shows us. You know what I'm noticing these days more than, more than anything else? I'm trying to share my faith with my, you know, with my co-workers at work. And the more I try to do it, the more openly hostile I notice they're becoming. It is one thing to tell them that I'm a pastor, and they think it's very amusing, right? Like, what, like you know, like where a guy like me can be a pastor. Are you sure you're a pastor? You're, so, you're a fun-going guy. I go, yeah. But it's one thing to tell them I'm a pastor. But if I actually start talking about faith with them, how God is the object of truth, how we don't measure up to his truth. When I actually share the gospel with them, they're hostile. And not only are they hostile, they, they, they belittle God. It is amazing how so willingly they blaspheme the name of God. They make fun of God in front of me. But it's not just the unbelievers, you see. It is for the believers as well. How do we know? Maybe we don't blaspheme. But we surely don't live the way he wants us to live. Because we don't think it really matters much. Living the way he wants us to live, being kind to people, watching our mouths, lips against other, towards other people, saying no to things, saying no to relationships. These things we don't really consider. Because God is very easy to us. God is not easy. God is not, someone, God is not someone who's your best friend. God is not someone who's on your level. He's a foundation of existence. He's a sovereign, almighty Yahweh. And before his presence, no one can mock him. Before his presence, we will, we will know that we will be fall so short of his glory. That's what the shepherds felt. They were afraid. They didn't say, Jesus is my best friend. They didn't say that. They didn't say, Jesus, you know me. They didn't say that. They were cowering in fear. 
But the angel says this. Fear not. For I, for I give you great news that will bring joy to all the people of the earth. And what is that news? So the angel says, do not be afraid, for I'm going to give you a great news that's going to fill your heart with joy. And what is that news? That news is that in, in, the, in Bethlehem, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. Why is the Savior has been born? Why is that good news? Why is that good news to the shepherds? Why is that good news to us? It is good news. It's because of the Savior. The Savior has come to die for our sins. The Savior has come. He has humbly come to, 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 to go to Calvary for us, to go to the cross for us. And because He has come to pay for our sins, what happens when we believe in Him? When He pays for our sins, what happens when we believe in Him is that we become the righteousness of God. When he, when we, because he pays for our sins, when we believe in him, the, we have peace with God. What is the definition of peace? The pe- definition of peace is mending a broken relationship. The biblical definition of peace is not, I have no worries. That's not what peace means. The de- biblical definition of peace is correcting an incorrect, a, a contentious relationship. And because of the Savior of the world, when we believe that we are sinners, but it is, for, it is in Him that we are saved, when we believe in this, our relationship with God becomes mended. No longer are we enemies of God, we become the people of God. And what happens when we become the people of God? God's glory no longer scares us. When we become the people of God, when we know that we belong to Him, we know his, his judgment, yes, we're afraid, but, because, but, but his judgment is no longer a thing that we cower over because we know in Christ that our judgment has been, been satisfied. And when we know this, we get to see God for who he is. Unbelievers do not, are not able to see God for who he is. They're either busy ignoring him or they're busy being afraid of him. But if you believe in Christ, if you believe in the Savior of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory of God, you can see him, begin to see him for who he is. You can begin to see his beauty for what it is. You can see his righteousness for what it is. You can see his holiness for what it is. You can understand his mind through the scriptures. You can begin to see God. You can begin to behold his glory. And when you start to begin to see his glory, like I said before, everything else falls into place. It is for that Jesus came. It is for that. It is for the revelation of the glory of God so that we can see the glory of God that Jesus came. The question I ask you this morning is this. Do you know, have you experienced seeing the glory of God in your life? Do you know of his kindness? I know a lot of you do a lot of busy church work. I know that. You do, you do. This side of the room, all do, right? Pastor Eugene does. We're all busy people this side of the room, right? Even like those UVA guys and the college guys, they're all busy doing their college ministry thing. Right, guys? There we go, right? We're all doers for, for God, right? We're all doers for God. But how many of you are experiencing the glory of God in your life. 
When was the last time your heart was warmed by him? When was the last time your mind was blown away by him? When was the last time your prayer was filled with awe in knowing that he's listening to you? When was the last time? Experiencing the glory of God, people, it has to be a regular thing. Look, someone asked me, why, why do I do what I do? How can I not sleep? And how can I be so crazy doing this and lawyer thing and all that stuff? And the, end, and the secret is simple. I, God has been gracious to me, and I see his glory. I'm not the most passionate of men. I'm not the most organized of men. I'm not. But what I do have is his graciousness in my life, and I see his glory, and he's very kind to me. I don't know whether I want to share this, but I'll share this because it's Christmas. Last night, I thought I had a demonic, I think I had a demonic attack. I was sleeping in the basement, and like, I felt Satan like, in my face, and I felt him like, lifting my arm and lifting my legs. I go, am I dreaming? Does it feel like I'm dreaming? I feel like I have a satanic attack. But I remember in the midst of that attack, I remember saying, but I have God, and I have Christ, right? And if you're real, if this is really happening, if you're real, I certainly know that he's real, and because he's so real, what you do to me doesn't matter. I was saying that when when I was attacked by demons, or in my nightmare, I don't know what it was, and the attack went away. I experienced the glory of God in my nightmare. I experienced the glory of God. Have you? If you haven't experienced the glory of God, you can't do Christian ministry. Your Christian ministry will be fruitless. I'm sorry, it will be. It will just be empty theories. You, the people that you serve need people, need for you to experience his glory. The people that you're serving must experience you experiencing the glory of God so that you can be an effective witness for him. He has come here 2,000 years ago so that you can experience his glory. That's what the angels were singing all about, right? Glory to God to the highest. Glory. That's what we sang. Glory of God. Have you experienced it? If not, in this Christmas day, ask for it. He will give it to you. What are the signs? How do you know that you experience the glory of God? Let's look at, what, what, what do the shepherds do? The angels revealed you know, what Christ has come to do. The angels revealed the glory of God to them and the angels left. What did the shepherds do? Shepherds, they went to Bethlehem to see to, to, to meet baby Jesus, right? And they started praising God and worshiping him. So the way that one of the ways that you know that you're experiencing the glory of God is that you begin to start praising and worshiping him regularly. That's one of the key evidences. If you're worshiping God regularly, praising him regularly, that's good evidence that you're that you have experienced the glory of God. Another evidence, another thing that these shepherds did was, not only did they worship God and praise God, they start telling other people about it. 
Think about it. These shepherds went to, went to their towns and says, guess what? A Savior has been born. And that Savior is a baby that was born in a manger. Can you believe that? That's crazy talk. But they couldn't help but to share it because they've experienced His glory. And when you experience His glory, you cannot help but to share it with other people. What is the most effective way to you, for you to evangelism? Ask that you experience the glory of God. Guys, unbelievers, when you approach them, when, you, when you're witnessing, they can smell a faker mile away. They can smell someone who just, who's just using from a script, and, and they can tell who's someone who's genuinely sincere about their faith. The only way that you can be sincere is if you experience His glory. What is your faith like? Is it awesome? Are you in awe? Is your mind blown away by, by who he is? Are you experiencing his mercy and love? Oh, that's what the Christian life is supposed to be. And if you experience this, you can share. You will not be able to not help but to share who Christ is. So in this Christmas season, Ask God to give you what Christ has come to do for you to experience the glory of God, for you to know his face, for you to know his love, for you to be persuaded by his mind, for your life to conform to his. Let's pray that prayer this evening. Let's, let's, let, let's, let's that be the way how we celebrate Christmas. Let us pray.